Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal. You are hearing my voice. That would be Dan's voice once again opening up the show because Ty is still, yes, still beneath the border, south of the border. He's still in Mexico. The report that I got was that he took a picture with a toucan and that he can't do that in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I have no idea if he's been able to locate Mexican food in Mexico, but... I digress, because Week 10 was an exciting one. I am joined once again, and you're welcome, by Ryan Nanny. You might know him as Celebrity Hot Tub of SB Nation. We are going to break down all things Week 10. We don't have the time nor the resources to do the reverb, so we are going to be skipping that for this week. I don't know if we're going to get to them later in the week. I really have no idea, but it was an exciting week, and it is time to get into all things talking about what... Happened. Do you need me to step? Do you need me to step in here and help you, Ryan? How are you? I'm good. How are you? How was your Saturday? It's good. I'm happy to be back because I think I add a real value. Sure. Uh, in that I make it clear to everybody how important Ty is to this show. Absolutely, and, you do. And it's sort of a comparative thing. It's sort of like where you don't where, sell yourself you short. Know, you know how you you get used to your mom's cooking when you're living at home, and you're like, "Yeah, yes. that's fine." And then you go over to your friend's house, and his parents can't cook at all. Mm-hmm. I'm those parents. I still feel like you are doing a better job than awful parents. Well, thank you. You're more of like a solid verbal uncle who yeah. has his own special dish right. that, like, when you can go back home, and you're like, "He didn't make." He didn't make us lasagna, but he ordered pizza. But that was pretty did cool. Order pizza. Can we order pizza? Like, don't get too used to Uncle Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically where we are. In, in the long run, Ty is better for you. Yeah, but oh, it's yeah. it's good to have Uncle Ryan. I think. Just in in small doses, perhaps. But I th- I feel like you are a good complimentary this is addition. Comfortably real. Now. Okay, it is getting real. I like my uncles. That's okay. Cool. Uh, in any case, let's start with the top ten matchup, or the top five matchup, as it were. Ole Miss and Auburn certainly ends in a way that I can't imagine anybody wanted to see with Laquan Treadwell almost getting across the goal line, but getting sort of a really hurt in just an awful situation, breaking his leg, dislocating his ankle, um, fumbling right before the goal line. In any case, it was a fantastic back and forth for the entire game up until that. Uh, Ole Miss's defense certainly not looking what they've look, looking like what they've looked like for the majority of the season, but that's okay because we had entertaining football. Cameron Artis Payne, the running back for Auburn, was exceptional every single time he appeared to be tackled. He got three or four more yards, almost indicative in a much more power way of what we saw from Trey Mason last season. Uh, and Bo Wallace did a, a superb job of not only throwing the ball and running the ball, but spreading the ball out to various receivers. I think Ingram, Sanders, and Treadwell all went over or near 100 yards. Yeah. So And each had each had at least six catches, so it wasn't just, right. oh, somebody broke a big play. He was really moving the ball around. Yes, and they were all play. terrific after the catch. Yep. So high-level game, It I think, is the second game in our chaos Six way scenario. Yes, yeah. and in our in our scheme and our scenario that that ends in everybody going two and two against each other. The powers that be atop the SEC West. Um, anything long term that you are now taking from this, other than the fact that uh, Ole Miss may be down their single most talented player, and Auburn now has 
potentially, potentially, that's perhaps and potentially in the same yeah. word there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, potentially, outside of Oregon's win over Michigan State, the two most impressive wins, road wins of the season. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think Old Miss is the the effects of playing so many tough early games is are starting to show in terms of injuries and mm-hmm. in terms of. You know, the defense already had some guys dinged up. Laramie Tunsil missed this game on the offensive side. Uh, and it, it just, it's a tough break, to be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah. They, Ole Miss probably should have won this game, but Auburn did Auburn things. And Bo Wallace, as well as he played, made a stupid fumble uh, in the Auburn red zone towards the end of the game that took point took a points opportunity off the board for yep. Ole Miss. The fumble that that they lost with Laquan Treadwell's injury was – it's unfortunate, but it also is one of those things where you're like, yeah, those are the kind of plays Auburn got last year. This is totally true. This is – yeah, and, and now we are at the point where who does who does Auburn have in front of them at this point other than the Iron Bowl? Um, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot as for your memorization sk- skills. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you want me to actually – I mean, I can actually look if that's – Right, because cool. Auburn is a playoff team if it were to start today. Okay, so they've got Texas A&M next right. at home. I would not say that's a big hurdle at this point. Absolutely Texas not. Texas A&M struggled against Louisiana Monroe Yes, they did. They home. did not score a point in the second half, and they have Georgia the following they week. They have Georgia the following week. They Now, Georgia will have oh, – I'm sorry. There's some running back, I believe, Georgia will get back. This is true. Game. They yeah. will be a better team then. They'll have Todd Gurley back. Uh, they'll be better by then. And you would, you would think the defense has some things to adjust for for Georgia. Yes. But, uh, I mean, Georgia's the only real potential hurdle that is a road game – you would, uh, but up to Iron Bowl, I you can't imagine that Auburn's not going to be favored by at least five points in all of these games. That sounds right. Does that sound right? That sounds right. The interesting thing with Auburn, before we move on, which we must do, is seeing if their defense does get any better, fixes problems that they've had throughout the season. We shall see. But their offense is good enough that they can keep winning. Next. TCU-West Virginia, a game I would say is fair to say was played at a slightly lower level. Uh, the cold certainly affected things in Morgantown. TCU wins late 31-30 on a, a last-second field goal, a relatively sloppy game in terms of turnovers. Uh, Trevon Boykin, who there were whispers and murmurs and rumblings that he was supposed to be in a, a Heisman conversation, looked like the Trevon Boykin of old, which is not a good thing. He does not complete 50% of his passes. B.J. Catalan was good on the ground for TCU. And for West Virginia, it was it was a very good day defensively. It was an uneven day on offense. Uh, they had run the ball really well the week before, and they were fine on the ground uh, against, against TCU that had been quite good on the ground. Um, just they don't have the prolific type day. Clint Trick, it's certainly a disappointing day against a very good TCU defense, but... West Virginia had the game in their hands, and TCU needed all five of the turnovers that they forced yeah. and all every single second of the game to win by a single point. Right, and I think the defense probably should get more credit for TCU than we're giving them at this point. Sure. Because the fact of the matter is they held West Virginia to 30 points at home, a West mm-hmm. Virginia offense that is capable of doing things. Yes. They were pretty stout against the run. They did give up a long touchdown run to Dreamius Smith. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think they came They came to play much more than the offense did. They did not let TCU down in this game. They held West Virginia to field goals when they needed to at points. 
They obviously got all these turnovers, and they kept the game close enough that by the time TCU finally got attacked together on offense and finally found a little bit of running room, that it wasn't out of reach for them in the way that, say, the Baylor game, mm-hmm. when they played West Virginia, things, you know, the, 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 the deficit was too large for Baylor's offense to sort of struggle back against. Both of these, both of these teams, uh, of course, in the Big Twelve, no conference championship game, but right. they do both play nine conference games. Both of both of these teams, I believe, have Kansas State at home coming up. West, yep. both West Virginia and TCU. So there's there's the barometer game. We don't actually need a barometer game because we've seen these teams play head to head. But West Virginia is still in very good shape to play in an interesting postseason game. You know who? Yeah, I was. I would not want to be the because there's a good chance West Virginia doesn't make a particularly name brand bowl. Sure. Because let's say they lose to Kansas State, that's an eight and four season. Yeah. Great season for this West Virginia Absolutely. team that we did not have a lot of confidence in coming into the season. Yeah. Would you want to be some other eight and four team from the Pac twelve, the SEC, the no. ACC that gets stuck with this West Virginia team in playing, a bowl game? Playing a particularly complete West Virginia team yeah. with Dana Holgerson given time. We yeah. saw what he did against Clemson. That was years ago. Right. But with time, he completely has shredded teams. They'll mess you up. Yes. They will definitely mess you up. Nobody wants to give Mario Alford space. No. That is not a that is not a, a likely option for success. Um and uh and TCU. They have they host Kansas State this coming week. They go to Texas on Thanksgiving. They finish with Iowa State. They have Kansas in between there. So they're in they're in pretty good shape. And this was almost if you look at Auburn, Florida State, and TCU, it was a it was a very squeaky survival. Yeah, weekend. it was. TCU's problem is going to be they're gonna get this Kansas State game at home. That's a marquee right. matchup. Kansas State is gonna be pretty highly ranked by the I would assume mm-hmm. in the playoff committee's poll by the time uh that game comes to be. But after that they have a super weak slate. And I think this is gonna be one of the, this could be one of those situations where they don't play anybody terribly interesting down the stretch, they don't get a conference championship game, and there is a possibility that they sort of get forgotten about because they're not playing a marquee game late November, early December that gets the committee's attention, whereas Florida State may be playing a one-loss Duke team in the ACC championship game and blowing them out. Pac-12 championship game may end up being a one-loss Arizona State team. You know, it's just... It's tough because there's nothing they can do about it. Right. But it is, I think, why the Big 12, you continue to hear rumblings that they are looking to expand. Not having a conference championship game is just bad for that conference. Yeah, I do like that they have nine conference games. Yeah. I do like that some of those teams, Kansas State, uh, TCU, obviously, to a lesser extent, have scheduled well in the non-conference. Right, so, right. Play, you know, TCU playing, or excuse me, Kansas State playing ten real games. Yeah. That's something. It, that is a no, thing it's that not, and that's not to suggest TCU doesn't deserve a spot in the playoff. Right? There's just a weird. We've seen it's that weird optics thing, thing yes. that happens before. So maybe that will happen. But honestly, if they if they win out, it's very hard to say that they shouldn't be in the playoff. Correct. I think. All right. Let's go to another team that I would say I don't know if squeaked is the correct word, but took advantage of breaks against a very good defense at least. Uh, Florida State Thursday night. 
They go to Louisville, a game that I think a lot of people had circled as that potential trap or a very difficult game. The more and more Louisville's defense started dominating people and with Louisville's offense getting healthier and healthier with the return of Will Gardner, Michael Dyer, and Devontae Parker, it seemed very dangerous. Like we were due for one of those crazy Thursday night on the road, Oklahoma State, Iowa State type Thursday night upset madness type games. Um, Florida State looked real bad for about two and a half quarters. Yeah. They looked like a team that deserved to lose to an unranked Louisville, depending on the poll you pay attention to. Yep. And whether it were whether it was turnovers, whether it was a complete lack of run stopping, whether it was uh I mean, pass stopping. I mean there was nothing that, that Florida State did particularly well in the first really half. Yeah. until the third quarter. And Louisville I mean, not to their credit, but to their detriment, really didn't take advantage of certain certain opportunities. They get down to the Florida State two or three and get zero points on that first drive after the, the long catch. Uh, Devontae Parker, a huge game. The defense ultimately doesn't hold up. Jimbo Fisher's adjustments at halftime. Jameis Winston looked much better in the second half. If you just take away his first throw in that third quarter, that they were fortunate, fortunate enough to recover a fumble after it was intercepted. Um and I, I think the actual story of this game beyond Florida State squeaking mostly by was the emergence of Dalvin Cook. And that running game for Florida State had been so below average and uneven. And Carlos Williams and his season has been disappointing and he's been hurt. Uh, Dalvin Cook, the freshman, arriving in the screen game and on the ground, I think gives Florida State an element. But unfortunately, Dalvin Cook doesn't play defense and doesn't game plan for the first half, which yeah. Florida State struggled with. Um, I would say, beyond Delvin Cook, three he's one of three freshmen that really saved this game for Florida State, the yep. other two being Travis Rudolph and Ermin Lane. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things where maybe Florida State, and this is maybe an obvious comparison, is benefiting from that Alabama style, we're grabbing all of this young talent, yep. and the hope I think most years is that you don't need to put them in a situation where it's like, okay, we need them to win the game for us. Yeah. But I think what you saw in the second half was Florida State said, look, top to bottom, we have a better roster than Louisville does. Yes. So rather than making making the offense make reads and make decisions that are sort of finding the mismatches, right. let's just get the ball to our good guys in space. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a big throw. Right. And just make it happen. That said – there were a lot of things in this game that just, you know, didn't go Louisville's way. Some of that was that their fault. Some of it wasn't. Right. A draft interception is benefits Florida State, but it's also a Louisville misplay. Yes. Two Louisville uh, co- defenders colliding into each other on an eventual touchdown Oops. is a misplay. Yes. Um, and that's not you can't it's you can't totally ding Florida State for it. Do they benefit from it? Yes, but they still did what they had to do, and. They essentially, yeah. they almost entirely shut Louisville out in the second half. And that was a very, I think that was to me more impressive than the offensive adjustments. Because the offensive adjustments were about stop making mistakes. Correct. The defensive adjustments were force Louisville to pass and don't let them beat you doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what they did. Yep. This all sounds totally reasonable. Yeah. Florida State in a position now. They have four... I wouldn't call them tricky games left, but they have four games that will test various strengths and weaknesses in Virginia, Miami, Boston College, and of course, a Florida team who, and we'll get into this in a couple of games, but a Florida team, if nothing else, they play above average defense Mm -hmm. and they run the ball. Yeah. 
and they they certainly have the athletes on defense, and you can run on Florida State, as right? We saw Michael Dyer do. That said, this is that that's sort of Louisville, Miami, Florida. They yeah. all sort of fit that same mold. They can play good defense. Yes, they can run the ball a little bit. But do you and have that's the depth? It. And, and that's do you have it. the ability to adjust? Right. I would say let's, if we were to put together a super team yeah. of okay. Miami, Louisville, Louisville and, Florida, Florida State and Florida, they'd stand a pretty good chance. Yeah, I think they cover. Yeah, they would cover that <laughs> game. Fair enough. All right, let's go out west because this is a game that I know people that follow Pac-12 football, especially people that follow Oregon football these past couple of seasons, we're looking forward to with Marcus Mariota getting Stanford at home once again. A Stanford team that has lost a lot on defense and really on offense when you look at the loss of Tyler Gaffney and some offensive linemen. Oregon blows the doors off of Stanford. Lock of the week. You did call I this. Call, I mean, several of my other picks were very wrong. Poor. But this one yes. locked it up. And you know what? I retire from lock of the week. Undefeated. With a perfect record. Yes, you do. Take that. Uh, quickly, the, the thing that made the difference this year for Oregon more than anything was health. Marcus yeah. Mariota had two working knees. Yep. And you saw that early with him third and five. He scrambles for seven. And those are the types of things that he was not able to do last season. The offensive line wasn't particularly good last season. It was this year. And they had the advantage of not facing Trent Murphy, Shane Scove. Yeah. Derek Mason uh, sort of making adjustments against this Oregon spread, and Marcus Mariota's ability to step into throws that he wasn't able to do last year. We saw him short-arm Josh Huff. This year, different story, especially with the addition of Royce Freeman giving them that physical back. He was fantastic both on the ground, through the air, and throwing blocks. He was he was great in, in pass protection, picking up blocks. Um, Oregon's receivers were good, and Mariota actually missed some throws that, he, that were uncharacteristic, some guppies. Um, and Stanford on offense... Kevin Hogan wasn't bad. He extended plays. He threw, I, I want to say he threw a couple of picks, but Stanford wasn't bad on third down. They just, in big moments, did not come through. On, on big third downs, they didn't convert. They settled for field goals early. If you're going to beat an Oregon team who is rolling offensively early, it's got to be six and not three, and Stanford was not able to do that. Oregon, to their credit, this is a Stanford defense that had been a top-five scoring and total defense team. They completely laid them to waste. Through the air, on the ground, everything. Honestly, I think the story on Stanford this season is pretty simple. They yeah. beat the bad teams and they lose to the good teams. Yeah. They lost to USC, Notre Dame, Arizona State, and Oregon. Yes. and every, All good teams. Everybody else they've beaten... Except for maybe USC. USC's fine. But everybody else they've beaten is not going to go to a bowl game, almost assuredly. Oh, okay. Stanford might not even go to a bowl game. They're sitting on five wins right now. Mm-hmm. They have Utah at home. Yep. They have big game against Cal. Yeah, who can they, move the ball. And they have UCLA on the road. They have to win one of those games. And it's it's not hard. It's not, I'm not saying right. they definitely won't. But if you told me, yeah, they lose a close one to Utah... Cal plays above their level because it's a rivalry game. Yep. And then a rejuvenated UCLA mm-hmm. takes them out at home. Like, that's not impossible. And that would be – it's already a bad year for Stanford. Right. It's possible it, get, it gets worse for me. It is, it is a big attrition year with what they lost on defense. In the last two years, they've lost Pep Hamilton. They lost yep. Dayark Mason. It's, it's, there's only so much you can do to remain a 10-11 win team. Absolutely. When you are not 2-3 deep with blue chippers everywhere. When Stanford is a very talented team, but that, that's a tough they're task. Just, they're a 500 team this year. Right. That's what they are. And, that's, and they're not so- running a particularly creative brand of offense Correct. that they can plug and play with speed. And they don't, they don't fool teams. They're very deliberate about what they do. Yeah. And so when that one thing doesn't work, they struggle to adjust. Yep. 
All right, fair enough. So Oregon moves on. I would say probably appears to be a top four team. Yeah, I think so right now. The resume is pretty good. Uh, it didn't help that Arizona kind of looked crummy yesterday. This is true. But overall, it, it, there's not a great case to put anybody else above. They've, they've now blown out both Rose Bowl teams yep. from last season. So there's only so much you can do when people have those, the Michigan State game the, and the Stanford game circled and they kill both of them. Yeah. They score in the 40s. So. That's that's that game. Utah-ISU, a game very different. We'll stay out on the West Coast. Very different offensively from uh, from Oregon and their performance against Stanford. Uh, ASU does not have a very good day against the, the Utah defense because nobody really does. And that's to be expected, but Taylor Kelly was particularly below average. And Utah certainly missed Drez Anderson, their leading receiver. They give it to Devontae Booker a good amount. He's... His numbers look fine, but he carried it too much. He wasn't terribly efficient with the ball. And Travis Wilson did not have a good day on the road. And it goes to overtime. And at the end, you know, Utah can only win so many close games, and ASU takes this. Yeah, I mean, Arizona State's defense coming into the season, certainly, and definitely after that thrashing they got earlier in the season against UCLA, was a big question mark. But... For whatever reason, whether it's because Arizona State's improved over the course of the season or right. it's because Utah is just a very vanilla offense, uh, their defense definitely bailed them out. They held Utah to 241 yards overall. Yep. Basically couldn't run the ball, definitely couldn't pass the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I still don't have a great read on this Arizona State team, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and Arizona State, as much as they are difficult to read, they, they need the Hail Mary to beat USC, they blow out UCLA, uh, they, they treat Stanford like Stanford should be treated at yeah. this point. They win by a couple of touchdowns there. They beat Washington easily. I think they only gave up three points offensively to Washington. They finish with Notre Dame, which yeah. is going to be enormous. Um, and they should be able to move the ball against Notre Dame, which is an interesting wrinkle with what we've seen or lack thereof from Notre Dame. Uh, and then Oregon State, Washington State, Arizona, three teams that certainly did not acquit themselves for various reasons. Washington State's is the most unfortunate with their loss of Connor Halliday. Arizona State, if they can get by Notre Dame, appears to be in the South driving seat. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and that obviously does not affect I mean, the Pac-12 South. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Uh, I... Yeah, I just don't know. It's it's. I have such a bad read on this team. Maybe they are finding themselves as the season goes on, but yeah, I I, I got nothing. I got nothing, Dan. All right, fair enough. See, this is why you need Ty. This is I know. <laughs> There's so many reasons I need Ty because you don't have hilarious stories about Mexican food and no. Because if I went to Mexico, I would just eat Mexican food. Weird. So it can't be that hard to find. He told it's, me he had fire sauce. I don't even know what that means. I, I guess he went to a Taco Bell. That's fine. He went to a Taco Bell. Um, let's talk Florida, Georgia. Let's do it. You don't need to look at any notes for this. No. Um, Florida throws precisely how many passes in a route of Georgia? Uh, six. Seis. Six. As they say. Seis and down Mexico way. Down yeah. Mexico way. Um what is the takeaway from this game from the Georgia perspective? What is the takeaway and the, the sort of outlook for Florida at this point, a team that we're sort of assuming won't have the same head coach next season, but you never know now when you beat a hated rival decisively on a national stage. Um, is this a Florida team that should be considered dangerous for the remaining talented teams they have? Um, I think this Florida team was considered dangerous 
in some sense for most of this year just because they can play defense. Mm-hmm. They have Dante Fowler who gets to the gets to the quarterback really, really well. They have Vernon Hargraves who is a talented cornerback you can leave on an island. Yep. Combine those two factors and you can make life very difficult for an opposing offense. The issue was always Florida, you know, had to do that thing where they had the ball. Yes. And Will Muschamp himself admitted that this let's only throw six passes and run the ball a million times is not a strategy that's going to work the rest of the year. Correct. But it did work against Georgia and it worked – I mean if I – if you walk away from this game with a strong opinion – I would probably say it would be negative about Georgia rather than positive about Florida at this point. Florida's okay. too up and down. Florida hasn't shown the ability to really turn a corner meaningfully. In, in right. You know, they their inconsistency is baffling. Yeah. Like, they're able to move the ball against... How many offensive coordinators in three years? Is it three separate in three it's, years? It's three, it's three in four years. Three in four. Three different Charlie in four Weiss years. was the first year. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um... But Georgia, I, I just don't know what you say about this team that has looked so good in key. You know, they go on the road, even without Gurley. shut down, shut out Missouri. Yep, they look really good against an Arkansas team that we all think is going to be a trap game for them. Right, and then this game that we just assume Georgia's going to roll over, mm-hmm. they just didn't show up. True, and I I don't know if you put that on the coaching staff, on the players, whatever it is, it's just. It's it's very typically Georgia of them. Wow, it's okay. not it's not a nice thing to say. I admit. No, but I went to Florida, so I don't have to be nice. <laughs> this is true. You make no bones about that. Um, all right, next Notre Dame Navy in a later game. Navy, one of those teams that nobody prepares for consistently because you only play one triple option flex bone type team a year. Can Neil Matalolo's uh, his squad always gives good teams issues as they did with Ohio State to start the, to begin the season. This is a Notre Dame team that has struggled on defense this season and sort of adapting to the new scheme of Brian Van Gorder. Ty's had his own questions about the secondary. I mean, you lose Prince Shembo, you lose Stefan to it. It's, it's just very difficult to seamlessly continue and to lose Bob Diaco. So it, we anticipated an adjustment period, but struggling against North Carolina, struggling against Florida State, which everybody's going to struggle with Florida State, yep. and now struggling with Navy, giving up something 39, 40 points, whatever it was. Whatever it was 39, yeah. 39. Um, it's a little bit unexpected. It was good to see. I think it's a more positive than negative takeaway from Notre Dame, but that's within the context of Notre Dame probably is not a top 8, 9, 10 team at this point. Offensively, they are. As a complete team, I I could probably name 11 or 12 teams. I can pull up the rankings, if you'd like, that I think would beat them. I think watching Everett Golson is fantastic. He is so tremendous, and the fact that Torrin Folston is now their consistent running option is something that is is fun to see When if you like complete offenses. But it's difficult to imagine with what they've given up uh, defensively that they are in the playoff conversation at the moment, Without without a notable win, too. Yeah, I think that's I, – I, I'm not quite as down on them as you are. I okay. think putting them maybe around 8, 9 is right. I okay. don't think it's necessarily as dire as all of that. Um, they don't, you're right. They don't have – they don't have any especially signature wins. But the Florida State – hanging with Florida State on the road still counts for something. 
I don't think it counts it for as much as Notre Dame fans want it to count. Right. But I think it is one of those factors that makes you say that's why they belong top eight, top nine, right? And not down in like thirteen, fourteen land. Sure. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm open to that. I just I, and they're and honestly, they're going to get three good chances to prove that they can play with top thirty level teams. Yes, Arizona State, Louisville, and USC. USC. Okay. Yeah, top 30, 35, Let's say. And the USC game is on the road, and the Arizona State game is on the road. Yeah. So, so uh, they they are going to have a chance to build their resume Definitely. towards the end of the season. It might be too little, too late to be perfectly if honest. They, if they comfortably beat Arizona State right. at this point, you have to consider them to be a very good team that can hang with anybody. Part of the problem is that they are so dependent on everybody else that they've already played looking at least competent. And right. so many of them don't. UNC had a terrible week. Syracuse, Syracuse didn't look Stanford. good. Stanford didn't look good. And right. so, again, it's one of those things it's hard to blame Notre Dame for, but they have all of these teams on their schedule that at the beginning of the season you maybe say, okay, there's, those are like a bunch of bowl teams that they're right. looking at. And they've all just collapsed this is badly. True. Yeah, and Notre Dame will be compared against teams that they've both played and that they have common opponents with. Right. So with Notre Dame and Florida State, common opponent of Louisville, and they've played each other. Right. Notre Dame and Oregon, common opponent Syracuse Stanford. Syracuse as well. Syracuse yeah. as well, correct. So it's something to consider. Notre Dame is a very, very good team. Yeah. I'm just, God, 40 to Navy, 40 to North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they don't they don't show the consistency you would like to see to right. be in the conversation around maybe the just missed out uh, at this point, but... If they can keep winning, that might be irrelevant. All right, let's let's continue to jump around. Number one team in the land, Mississippi State, which and this was an, an interesting point brought up by uh, our friend Roger Sherman, where we we naturally gravitate towards rooting for an underdog, and even and Mississippi State as the number one team is an underdog yeah. story. So it's it's not fun to root against Mississippi State as the number one team. It, it's we want to see Mississippi State. At their highest level, when they get to the Egg Bowl, when they get to Alabama, whatever, when the, the meat of their schedule at the end of the season, who they have, they have Alabama, Ole Miss, and then and what, Vandy really, and nobody. That's really it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So we want to see Mississippi State in or around that position. Mississippi State struggles offensively against an Arkansas team that has not been that good defensively, save for the Alabama game, which yep. was a very nice performance. Um, and. Dak Prescott, while the yardage was there, was a little bit sloppier than we're used to from him. These past couple weeks, he hasn't been the cleanest. Threw two picks. Throws a couple of picks. They only score 17. We're used to them scoring a lot more. And it's the second straight week where they've had, I would say, and we're now talking about Mississippi State in the context of being a top five team, if not number one, um, they should be held to a higher standard. And barely getting by Kentucky and barely getting by Arkansas is not necessarily the most impressive way to be the number one team in the country. No, it's not. Uh, it, it's not comforting because they came off this three-game streak: LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, mm-hmm. where they won all of those games decisively. Right. Granted, LSU clawed back, but over the course of the whole game, you said, "Yeah, Mississippi State won that game," and these last two have been much dicier against much lesser opponents. They will. I, I think the Alabama game is looming as a very, very troublesome thing for them. Yeah. that Where is that game? That's that's in Tuscaloosa. It's in Tuscaloosa. There is a possibility that Alabama wins that game by 31. 
I, I don't think it's quite that bad. I don't but, know if it's that bad. But there, but is, there is a possibility Alabama wins that game by 17. Yeah. Where, where Mississippi State gets into a hole early and can't climb out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, they are going to get – that's two weeks away. They have UT Martin before then. So right. they will get the chance to sort of fix some things. But it is a little weird. What what is a little weird is I think it's normal to see a team like Mississippi State struggle against Arkansas for a half. And what you want to see is that team that can turn around in the second half and say, "All right, we're turning on the afterburners, and right, now we're exactly. killing, making you. adjustments." But this, Mullen, but Arkansas, Arkansas had a chance to send this game to overtime. They did through and through a pick in the end zone. Yes, they did. Not great. Not great no. right now. I now not great. But are, are you gonna if you had to? Seed the playoff today. Mm-hmm. Are you giving the one spot to Mississippi State or Florida State, and why? I'm giving it to Florida State, and I'm not confident in that answer. But I'm giving it to Florida State because of at this point, Clemson, Louisville, Notre Dame. Okay. And Mississippi State, we're pointing to LSU, Auburn, and LSU has been an up and down team. They're they're looking better and better. Right. They look like a top fifteen at the team at the moment. Um, and Auburn looks like a top five team, but I I don't just count good wins and good losses. I count bad wins and bad losses. And Mississippi State's all of their wins have not been good. And if I'm just seeding in terms of confidence in a team's ability to win on a neutral field, I'm more confident in Florida State to win in different ways than I am in Mississippi State. I think I disagree because the the Auburn win at this point is so much better than any win Florida State has. True. The LSU win is probably equal with any win that they have. Okay. I, it, like, right now, I would say LSU-Notre Dame is pretty even. LSU is one of those teams, though, that they feel more like a um, a different team halfway through the season. Sure. They were at the beginning. And so beating a September... Was it in September? Late September, it was yeah. In late, beating LSU in September, is, I think it's very different than Mississippi State beating LSU tomorrow. Yeah, uh, maybe so. I, it's tough. Uh, Florida State certainly has a little bit better out of conference schedule, beating Oklahoma State and Mississippi they still, State, didn't, and they saw Florida, right? But, yeah. And Mississippi State didn't play anybody, so it's it's a tough decision. Just, so now, just eye test wise, yeah. Florida State and Mississippi State. If you if you had a hundred dollar bill in your wallet right now, and it was, <laughs> I don't know what what would that spread be. For, for Florida State on and Mississippi a State. Field? On a neutral field, I would say it's like four, four and a half Florida State. Florida State, yeah. Two and a half, I three, think that's somewhere right. under five. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Where are you betting? Where are you gambling? Ooh. Um, I would probably go Florida State at this point. Okay. Um, the difference is that Florida – and this is weird because this is the thing that we don't like about Florida State. Florida State has proven that they can face a deficit and come back from it. Right. And Mississippi State – they can, they're built to sit on is leads. built to take the lead, and and you saw that record. I don't remember exactly what it was Dan Mullen when he doesn't have the lead at halftime. Right, it's not impressive. Nope. I think this is only maybe the second or third game he's won at Mississippi he, State. He was, he was he was three and twenty four at yeah, halftime yesterday. So right. I guess now he's four he's and twenty four. And, and that's like that's really worrisome. No, it's not the best. And that you couple that with the fact that Jimbo has looked so good. Maybe I'm awesome. giving him too much. I'm going to sneeze, right? I'm going to sneeze soon. Okay. I don't know when. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there now. We'll see if it comes to fruition. Um, all right. Fair enough. I, I think we're relatively on the same page. Uh, an ugly late game, just because 
it happens, and that's when the Pac-12 plays. UCLA-Arizona, another matchup between ranked teams. Arizona with one of, I I didn't mention this earlier in the show, and I should have one of the best wins of the season going to Autzen and beating what now looks to be a very, very good Oregon team. Um, And UCLA, certainly with the talent to be a top-10 team, hasn't had the results that look like a top-10 team. But after a shaky first half, they get by Arizona. They make a new Solomon look real bad. And they have the defensive talent that should make nearly everybody on their schedule look similarly. And they haven't. This week they do. They shut out Arizona in the second half. I think it was something like 7-3. A new Solomon's like something like 18 of 50 mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah. And, um, and UCLA's front seven, after Jim Mora was very visibly and audibly upset after the Colorado game, look to have turned like three to four corners. Yeah. Um, I think – so I was very down on UCLA when we talked right. in our earlier podcast. I think they proved me right and wrong. The wrong was on the defensive side of the ball because yeah. they got a lot of pressure on a new Solomon. They were mm-hmm. hitting receivers really hard, so hard that Austin Hill was knocked out of the game on what probably should have been a penalty but right. it wasn't called. Um, on offense though, they are still – the Brett Hundley and Jordan Payton show. Yes, they are. They threw for 189 yards. 119 of them went to Jordan Payton. <sighs> they ran for 271 yards. 131 of those went to Brett Hundley. Okay. Like it's, it's and Paul Perkins had gotten better these Paul past Perkins, couple weeks, and he's still he's still doing things. He's right. providing some spell for them. But it's like... Your running back shouldn't really be the need, spell for your running back. Yeah, game. you really would like to see a third option, whether it's a tight end or another running back or another wide receiver. Yep. It's, it worked, and it's a great win for UCLA when they really, really needed it, when yes. I think people were doubting them most. But I think the offense is still very much... I'm not really sold on the offense yet. Okay, that's fair. And that's your... Brett Hundley's great. I don't want to say that he's not. That's Noel Mazzone. It's like, you're yeah, not sold on Noel yeah. Mazzone. That's yeah. the actual reaction that's at a this big, point. That's a big club. Yeah. But it's good because we get a bulk discount on the jackets. <laughs> God, I would like a jacket. <laughs> I would like that. Um, all right, quickly going around the country, things that I don't think are worth us delving too far into, but Kansas State looks as good as we think they are against a struggling Oklahoma State partic- Oklahoma State team, particularly on offense. Dax Garman struggles. Jake Waters has a nice game. Um Baylor finally gets into the rhythm that they've been used to these past couple of seasons, getting by Kansas very comfortably, 60-14. to 14. Uh, Nebraska, Amir Abdullah's hurt, which is the big deal in that game, but they comfortably... like he's going to be okay. He will be okay, uh, but they, they uh, lay waste to... I like that phrase. Uh, lay waste to Purdue at home. Uh, Ohio State, I'm assuming in some sort of contractual thing where Illinois had to play in some sort of primetime game once every so often... <laughs> Uh, Ohio State just kills Illinois. I appreciate that that was a primetime game, though, because yeah. it was like, hey, America's remotes, we know you've had it rough. Yes. This, we're going to make life easier for you. You've been watching too much ABC, yep, yep. so we're going to give you a break. Um, ECU goes down to Temple. Yeah. A, an actual Temple team that is an actual team. Yeah. Temple looking good. Uh, they beat, I mean, they looked pretty good with uh, with Steve Adazio a couple years ago, but uh, ECU uncharacteristically struggle off ECU, yeah, struggle offensively, and they were in the first selection committee top twenty five, and they will not be in the second. You know who will be now? Who is that? Marshall. I hope. I really hope I would so like too. To see Marshall get in at this point. Rakeem Cato. Just He's really in, good. Into, not into the playoffs, just in the ranking. Uh, we'll say in the Mid Atlantic region. 
Uh, Duke needs a couple of overtimes, and I don't know what the, the combined score of Duke and Pitt from the past two years are, but yeah. it's a lot to a, a lot. They also need a badly missed yes. Pittsburgh field goal at the end of regu- regulation. They do. They get the five, it was like a five or six yard run from their backup quarterback to win the game. Uh, so Duke very much still alive. Seven and one. Duke seven is and one seven nights. and one. Uh, and I, that's all I have to say about Duke. Playoff winner. Duke sure. Blue Devils. They have they have really they should beat every team left on their side. Who do they have left? Syracuse. Yeah. Virginia Tech. Which Virginia Tech's record is not good. Not good. <laughs> are they four and five? I believe they are. They are yeah. four and five. So that officially let's, means let's talk about that very briefly. Frank Beamer's eight win bed is not happening. No, it's not. They have three games left against Duke on the road, yep. Wake Forest on the road, Virginia at home. Two games away from bowl eligibility. I think they've made a bowl every year since 1993. Okay. Do they do it this year? Wake Forest is a win. Wake yep. Forest is one of the worst teams. Five and five. Children. I'm closing my eyes. Right. Duke on the road. Win or loss? Uh, they're probably losing that game. Okay. Virginia at home Friday. I think that's the Friday after Thanksgiving. They should win. They should but be. you could see it not happen. Absolutely, I could. <laughs> Oh, man. Virginia Tech. Commonwealth Cup for bowl eligibility. That's They're at a point now where it's how long do you reward a coach for building a program? I, th- I, I, I honestly think... I don't think Frank Beamer's on the hot seat? No, he's not. A, they won't fire him. But he might get the Bobby Bowden treatment. That's what I'm saying. What yeah. Do they start thinking about a long-term plan at yeah. this point? I think they do. I think they must. Didn't he just get an extension he before did the just season get an extension. started? Yeah, he did just get an extension. So you got to figure out, and I don't think the coach and waiting thing is a thing anymore. No. But, Thanks, Will Muschamp. Thank you, William. <laughs> um, it is one of those things where you're like, all right, what is our plan? Right. And yeah. that was not a conversation I think a lot of people surrounding Virginia Tech had before perhaps last year. Yeah, it's it's gotten very bad. Indeed it has. All right, I don't know where, where to go from there. <laughs> so what, okay, let's stay in the ACC quickly yeah. because this is a game that could affect things down the line. Uh, North Carolina, excuse me, not North Carolina, yeah, North Carolina-Miami. Yeah, uh, Miami does the same thing that we talked about on Wake Up College Football. Yes. Plug. Plug. It's on SBNation.com. Uh, last week. A website. Uh, they continue to run the ball well. The defense mm-hmm. still looks good. UNC was not in this game at any meaningful point. No. And they got a ton of pressure on the quarterback, which was a nice thing to see. Right. Um, UNC is not a very good team. And Miami nope. is probably pretty good. I yes. Think that's, I think that's right. Miami might be ready to make the jump to legitimate good team. They just don't have the resume right now where you can say, oh, yeah, they're definitely a good team. They're, but granted, this Miami team beating the teams they're supposed to beat is an improvement over years past. Correct. This is true. And Brad Kaya, true freshman. It's hard to imagine him beating Florida State. But with Duke Johnson, uh, they have another running back, Joseph Yerby, yep. both going over 100 yards against, granted, a very underwhelming North Carolina defense. Oh, I would say so. I would say that's a fair way to, to classify the Tar Heels at this point. But... Again, it's that combination, running the ball and a defense. Yeah. Perhaps not on the level. Duke Johnson's certainly better than anything Florida has, but that formula. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And the game is in Coral Gables. Yeah, so it'll only be like 65-35 but th- that Florida means, State fans. That means no pressure yes, on Miami. They're not playing true. in front of too many people not that they a, could disappoint. Not a scary home crowd. That's not a scary really home crowd. All right, elsewhere in college football, anything standing out to you? Oh, Tennessee, South Carolina, Tennessee, we should mention. Tennessee, South Carolina, that was, that was a fun game. Yes, um, Josh, Josh Dobbs, Dobbs yeah. is going to be, it, uh, barring 
some sort of usual Tennessee snake bite. Which that, will happen. Which might happen. He's going to be really good for them. And they are... They're, they're just a lot of fun. And South Carolina yeah. is not. South Carolina is having just a brutal year. Preseason number nine. That seems forever ago. It does. insane. I was thinking about the day after Texas A&M, yeah. South Carolina. We are like... Kenny Hill's Heisman right, odds are right, through the yeah. roof. They have jumped. Texas A&M, this SEC West, oh my god, who isn't good? Right. South Carolina, man, they lose to Texas A&M, but man, that, it's, they're still so talented. They got the old ball coach, and now these are two teams that, if, if Texas A&M and South Carolina played next week, I, my enthusiasm for that matchup is like cut no, into like an noon, eighth. Noon game. Noon game. SEC Network. Yeah. I mean, I guess the first one was on the SEC yeah. Network, but, um, I, can't imagine there being a game in that first week that that has the the excitement level that has dwindled to such a low yeah. point. No, when, next time you get heated about a preseason poll, right. Remember 2014 South Carolina. Yep. Because it doesn't mean anything. This is true. But we had fun talking last, about it. Last thing I want to talk about? Yeah. Michigan won. Michigan. So that's fun. They beat Indiana. Yeah. Tevin Coleman was pulled because he was fumbling because the fumbled. ball. And I I were I Tevin Coleman, my counterpoint would be but all your other players are not Tevin Cole. They're not good. <laughs> and they play the, for Indiana. This is true. Uh, Maryland, Penn State. Maryland gets by on a late field goal. Penn State continues to have some of the worst late game management and mm-hmm. play that you can watch. Yeah. And, and now they've lost four straight for like the first time in a decade or I something? I think Brett Bielema needs to give James Franklin his card. Oh, no, you didn't. Give him the card. He Tell him how to do things. Write a nice note to the AD <laughs> at Penn State. Uh-huh. Get that job. Uh-huh. Arkansas, Will Muschamp. Done. I just solved college football. Florida doesn't have a coach in this scenario, and I'm fine with it. Peace. Okay, not yet. But I I could foresee that Domino's being very entertaining. Uh, Iowa, this should also be mentioned. They put up a ton of yards and kill at least an average Northwestern team. Yeah, a Northwestern team that has only really caused problems for the Big Ten. They've done nothing to help the conference out because they've lost out of Excuse conference. Excuse me, SAT scores are a thing. That's fair, but they've, they've lost two games out of conference yep. to Cal and Northern Illinois. Uh, they beat Wisconsin and Penn State, both of whom were having promising seasons up until that point. Right. And they've lost three straight games. And now they get to play the aforementioned Michigan Wolverines next week in a game that I will not watch. (laughs) Good. That's a good decision that you've made immediately. Uh, And while we're on the topic of teams that used to be a thing that people cared about, the Texas Longhorns won a game to get to four and five. So Texas Tech is, are they bowl eligible or are are they... it's funny you should mention that. <laughs> uh, Texas Tech is aggressively, at the moment, still bowl eligible. They're oh, three and six. Man, they can get there. They can get there. They won't, but they can. It's going to take a lot of Tanya Harding, ing, 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 galooling. Galooling. And that's probably not super likely to happen. But as long as Cliff Kingsbury can get a raise at a certain point, they have to beat Oklahoma and Baylor to get into a bowl game at this point. Can they choose what sport they play? <laughs> Shuffleboard. It's a walk-off. <laughs> it's a walk-off. Actually, I would say Cliff Kingsbury wins that walk-off. Uh, Art Bryles, though. Ooh. Art Bryles has some slender hips. Yeah. And I bet he can turn on a runway. Yeah, no, he's he's making moves. He's got that leathery... Bob Stoops, though, nightmare. Yeah, that's not happening. He's just going to be like, oh, you wore that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's about it. So, yeah, Texas gets by. Texas 
doesn't get a particularly fun game from Tyrone Swoops, but the defense is good. They hold down a, a really under just bad Texas wins Tech team. Wins wins at Texas this year, to be perfectly honest. They get a good game from uh, John Harris at receiver and Malcolm Brown. One of two Malcolm Browns has a nice game for Texas on the ground. Nothing beyond that to really glean from and this. And now Texas has to beat both, either well, one of, West Virginia and TCU mm-hmm. to be bowl eligible. Where's the West Virginia game? Uh, that would be on the road. In Morgantown. Yeah. Okay. Uh, As is the TCU game. Again, though, Texas Superior Tacos. Ooh. So. Bold claims. Take that, Morgantown. Actually, no, yeah, they definitely do have Superior Tacos. <laughs> um, any other games? I mean, Connor Halliday, is, that's a big that's story right. that his leg is broken in, a, in an ugly loss to USC. Connor Halliday, somebody, win or lose, it, it hasn't been the best sort of career in terms of winning success, but Washington State game is entertaining. And yeah. we lose that entertainment. He was prolific, uh, a record-setting quarterback. He's out for the season with a, a broken leg. So you never like to see that. Washington State, one of the more entertaining teams in college football. Um, any other games to you that deserve discussion? Not particularly. Um, it's setting up to be a very interesting uh, week 11. So we've got that going for us. But this was, I think this week 10 was a little better. Yes. We thought it was going to be. It was still mostly favorites winning, mm-hmm. uh, mostly higher-ranked teams winning, but some good games to be had, maybe some more information to be gleaned. True. Uh, and Florida won unexpectedly, which I haven't been able to say uh, since I think I was, I think I had my learner's permit. Georgia Tech also 7-2. and two. Who? Georgia Tech. Yeah, that Technical sounds, that Institute of Georgia. That, honestly? Yeah. Florida's game against Georgia felt like the kind of game Georgia Tech wants to play yeah. against Georgia. Yes, they, yes it is. Except because they're Georgia Tech, they would blow like a 25-point lead and lose. By the way, Georgia Tech finishes with NC State, yeah. which is a, a nice NC matchup. NC State got its first conference win under Dave Doran. That first step. That's something. First step. Yeah. Um, they have NC State, they have Clemson in a couple of weeks, so I don't know if Deshaun, I know. I think he's throwing. I think he will be back. He will then. be back he's by then, so that, be, yes. that proves to be very difficult. And then they finish with a Georgia team, who have now given themselves to the world as a team that struggles to stop the run. Yeah. And that's not a big thing to to claim against Georgia Tech. Do you think Georgia Tech throws more than six passes in that game? No, definitely not. Why would they? You're not sure, though. It's right around six, I would (laughs) say. Single ditch. Let's set the the over-under at uh, five and a half. Okay. All I'm saying is Georgia Tech... Nine three nine and three team yeah. is not an unreasonable thing at this point. This no. was a year where Paul Johnson was on a a, a warm seat, not yeah. the hottest, that but said, a warm seat. That said, this team lost to North Carolina. Yeah, like it's it's a lot like a lot of other Georgia Tech teams we've seen. They look really good some weeks, and then they lose a dumb game they're not supposed to lose. This is true. They have to play well early, and yeah. when they do, it's very difficult to beat them. Yeah. Um, anything else? I think that's all I have. Yeah. We, we had some good chili yesterday. We did have good Enjoyed chili. That. We had Roger and Seth over. Yeah. Great, great pumpkin. Uh, when I say we, it was at the, the apartment of you and your fiancé. That's okay. Yeah. You're, you're like family. Yes. Uh. Not like close family. Uh, my stomach has been doing pretty well that's, since the chili. This is uncomfortable. Actually, no, that's not completely true. I hope no. That is not completely I, true. I think we need to wrap it up. All right. Before we wrap it up. I want to I want to sort of briefly touch on something. Ooh, yeah. Lehigh 
going on the road to Georgetown. I, I forget who I picked in this game, but I know I don't like Georgetown. I know I just there's not a ton to like about Georgetown. Two underwhelming uh, Pat League teams, but god dang, Lehigh getting their flag again on game day. I I respect it. Bucknell just god, Lafayette was so close. So close. Uh, but Bucknell just has the horses. That's true. That's it's what your it's what your dad told you as a kid. It's what his dad told him as a kid. You Bucknell just has the horses. They go five deep at every position. Literal horses. Literal horses. They play a horse at outside linebacker. Uh, cool between games, but like kind of a dick during games. Yeah, he is. He's just. He I, is. You give it Great to Bucknell. In the classroom, Good in the classroom. I like that Bucknell really tried to get that waiver. To, yeah, to, to yeah, play yeah, yeah. a to play a horse, he's going to transfer to Oklahoma. Yeah, well, we'll see if he ever plays it down. Though <laughs> we'll see if he, if Stoops ever actually gets gets him on the field. But he's a good boy. That horse, good boy. He's a good boy. Good boy. And finally, Fordham, the team of New York City, uh, they crush Colgate. Uh, we are decide. I don't know. We get a lot of emails about this, hundred to hundred and fifty a day about our anti Colgate bias. But the fact of the matter is this: when you have Fordham on the field, you're not going to do much. You are yeah. not going to do much against Fordham. Yeah, if, if if Colgate wants to, if Colgate wants to win us over, go prove it. Go beat a Fordham. Go you beat a Fordham. But you didn't. You did not. Fordham has even bigger horses. <laughs> they do. They have six Clydesdales in their secondary. Um, you can pass on them, but once you get tackled once, it's rough. It's, over. it's rough. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I will point this out, and this might be a relief to uh, to you, to me, to Ryan. I don't know. Ty will be back on oh, Wednesday. He will be back for the Wednesday show. I'm trying to think if he's told me anything else. Ty, you're so much better at this than I am. Me too. Um, he had fire sauce. He took a picture with a toucan. I don't know his beach situation. I don't know how burnt he is. Um, I know there was a picture of him listening to the solid verbal it disappointed me. Oceanside area. Right. Um, Which shows commitment. I like that. Yes. But I think he was only doing that because he knew that we had suggested Navy could beat Notre Dame. And he was trying to counterbalance. Lock of the week. What he didn't know is that what we were really doing. Right. Undermining Penn State, who lost to Maryland. Oops. Didn't see that angle, Ty. Boom. Not going to shake Ty's hand the next time I see him. <laughs> Because he went to Pennsylvania State <laughs> University. Um, all right. Everybody, thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter, at Solid Verbal. I, you probably should know how to spell that by now if you're listening to the show. If you don't know how to spell that, you should just look at your phone or computer screen right now, and it will tell you. Um, Facebook, we have our weekly chats there. That's also fun. Join, join and like the Facebook page. I do you join a Facebook? You like a Facebook page. Uh, check us out on FanCred. I don't know what email us at solidverbal at gmail.com if you like emailing. Uh, we don't have a, a prop. We don't have a post office box. Um, but if you ask me nicely, I will give you Ty's home address. Um, I think those are all the, the important ways to contact us. Thank you very much for listening. Oh, I have a few people I'd like to shout out because they are particularly heroic in their ability to share the show. T.P. Grant, Stephen Godfrey, who used to have long hair. Stephen Godfrey used to have long hair, no longer does. He's soft. Uh, Nathan Federchak, I think we've thanked him before. Dirty Pete, Stephen Kahn, Stephen Prizbolinski, uh, The Belk Bowl. Just in general. Also soft. Also a little bit soft, but in like a good... Stephen Godfrey in The Belk Bowl, two-ply soft. Really? 
Stephen Godfrey's three-ply. I want to go through. I had – so yesterday morning, yeah. I had people tweet something out that they felt would be highly unlikely, but that right. their, that was their prediction right. for something happening. Um, I'm scrolling through because I want to read some of my favorite ones because people were pre- like pretty funny with it. Um, we have – I make it through the 11 p.m. Utah-Arizona State game without falling asleep. Tanner McAvoy completes a pass. Um you could be named the interim head coach at Florida. Uh, Northwestern comes back. Uh, Ty eats a taco. Somebody dies of SEC bias. Mark May curses Duke on air. Iowa scores 38 points and a half, which actually did happen. Uh, Bo Wallace doesn't throw an interception. UCLA 66, Arizona 10. That was not super accurate. Um, Virginia Tech football offense happens. Unfortunately, we did not see that. Uh, TCU West Virginia under 35 total points. Did not see that. Uh, Florida winning, maybe a crook, is the one who said that first. Boom. I don't know who maybe a crook is. Uh, we, it appears that he's a Texas A&M fan. So I like that little bright spot for him during this season as a Texas A&M fan. Um, he's a poor college student. I don't know why I say he. Could be a she. Um, unapologetic Aggie fan, crappy basketball player, haver of best opinions. We don't know if he's a crook or she's a crook. Yeah. Maybe. 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 Have you ever been arrested? No, I have not. Have, have you ever been, been no. Have you ever been close to being arrested? No. Have you ever had to speak to police because they were wondering what's going on with you fellas? Um, I've been pulled over, but beyond like outside of a traffic stop? No. Did you get a ticket? I have I have received a ticket, yes. Speeding? Uh yes, it was a speeding ticket, hmm. as I recall. The key, show some cleave. Well, all I have is cleave. Okay. Well, then it didn't work. Your can't, cleave is unacceptable. Can't hide these. Uh, other predictions that did not come true. Um, Geneva Convention looking into claims that dentist offices around the country are showing... Oh, I don't even know what's going on here. That's getting real weird. Um, in any case, Florida winning. Maybe a crook. We don't know. That's that's Ryan Gator chomping. If you are not in this room, which I can't imagine you are. Visual humor. We have spoken for far too long. Ty will be back on Wednesday. So until that point, thank you for sharing, particularly on Facebook. But Twitter is also something that I like. Uh, We will see you soon. Stay solid. And, of course, peace.